Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeffrey Clossy. Hey, you called me Jeffrey. Yeah, have you ever, were you Jeffrey early on or uh, at some point in your life? I mean, that's my full name, but no one really calls me that. My mom will occasionally do that, but... When you're in trouble or when... No, usually just... actually it's more of a, um, like an admiration or a loving mm. kind of a comment, but yeah, mostly it's just been Jeff. Yeah, so Thanks I did using it. I was, well, you're welcome. I did not realize until I was in college, and this is going to sound weird, but I did not notice until I was in college that my parents never called me Jay. Interesting. What did they call you? My my family always called me JD. And it never like dawned on me that they called me something different than everyone else called me until I had friends that um, visited from college and they were all like, why do your parents call you JD? And I was like, Oh, that's my name. And they just looked at me blankly and I go, Oh, like it really had never clicked. I never grew up thinking that I was called something different at home than I that's was called so everywhere funny. else. But why did they? Cause that's my, those are my initials. Oh, your middle. Initial? Well, it was actually my middle initial is D. Okay. My middle name is Dennis named after my dad. Yes. And, um, and so actually, and they would, they actually, my mom would even say it was, no, it's your name, D. Like, so it wasn't the initials J-D, it was J-A-Y-D. So like if they, sometimes they would do the initials, but most time if my mom wrote it, she would write J-D. And um, so my entire life I was J-D and then, but at school and everything I was J and then didn't notice it until college and then and then it felt endearing i was like oh that's what you know so now guess the only place i'm called jd now i'm opening myself we'll find out who the podcast listeners are by who calls me jd but there's one place i am called jd where's that starbucks because my membership has like your billing information everything like so d is part of my like it's always in there like with my signature and everything probably giving away too much information right now but they (laughs) they they call out when they call out my drink my drink order is always jd and what's your password uh (laughs) it's password you got it you guessed it shoot jay change it right now yeah change it jay can change his password have you ever seen those uh mentalist tricks where they um like they'll be on late night talk shows or whatever the the mentalists are like magicians that do the mind reading kind of stuff Oh, and they'll no. and they'll it's really fascinating. They actually do and they'll guess like ATM pin codes and everything and and uh there's a science to it. Like so don't worry, it's not like they're not they're not proclaiming it's like dark magic. They are very upfront that this is a it's a science, like they can they can see they're reading cues or they're just reading cues and they, they have ways of asking questions and everything. It's really fascinating. And so to watch them do that uh to people is it's just it's mind boggling. So that's what I thought you were going to try to do. You, that's what you just did right now. It's like, tell me your password. <gasps> How did you know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, man, we have been doing this podcast this morning for two hours. What do you mean? We've already had this pod. Like we have been, <laughs> people don't realize Is it, it has been a comedy now? of errors. Yeah, we're, we're okay, actually recording. Good. I did double check okay, that. Good. Um, I could say that we actually did the whole, so we did, in all seriousness, we just had an hour long conversation that should have been the podcast but it wasn't 
And I said at one point we should have just hit record, which was the original idea of the podcast was to do that, was to just record it. Like the podcast was birthed because Robbie and I would just get in these conversations in the hallway and Christoph would say, you guys should just record that and send that out because we would just talk about the sermon and he would say things that like, oh, that was interesting because you have this and like, well, why did you choose to say this? And, um, you know, I thought this was terrible and I think you're a heathen and a heretic and and Christoph's like, that's good radio. And so um, that was the idea. Well, you and I just had that moment where we had an hour-long conversation. I said, why did I not hit record? And, and we won't make that mistake again. And you said, well, next time. Yeah, yeah, you in the very Jeff way, you're like, well, next time we can do that. But what are we going to do right now? <laughs> and so right now we're just going to try to, I don't know if we're going to rehash the conversation. But the the long conversation was because, like you pointed out, the sermon this weekend was the the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's just a really hard passage. It's just a really hard section of scripture to preach. And it's very overwhelming. Um, there, it's, it can be very confusing at times. Uh, and, and it feels very weird to preach on the preaching of Jesus. Yeah, this is not, so if we read this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we just think to ourselves, got it. And we move on to the next one. <laughs> but we're missing um, something because th- there's a lot going on at the beginning of this sermon. And you're right. I love that you even announced that on Sunday, that it's a fool's errand to preach a sermon on Jesus's sermon. Uh, I, I thought that was a helpful introduction for this whole series. Well, I like to set expectations low. That's my, you know, manage expectations. If you're hoping for a great sermon. We're going to under-promise. We're going to under-promise and then deliver on that under-promise. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Over-deliver. No. No. Over. Just no. Okay. I I feel like I set very low expectations and then I met them. So, <laughs> which, you know, good for me for meeting. Wait, give me your password right now. Meeting expectations. Um, So there, there are some hang-ups in it. it it's... It's one of those things where often the way I didn't want to preach it the way that it's, I think, most often preached. It's one of those interesting. Pa- OK, sorry. I just hit my hand on the desk. Um, it's one of those passages that is often preached in a specific way. And then every scholar you read about it says, why does anybody preach it this way? And so, like, I, I didn't. Often the way it's preached is you go through it and you look at all of those qualities and you see them as qualities that we're supposed to um, achieve. And so... Um, like those who mourn, for right. example. And so so the so the takeaway is mourn, mourn more. Um, and so... And going through and defining what all of those traits are, which most of the sermon then is about those states of being. Um. And I think, and and yes, I, I agree that that is, that is dangerous. That's not the point. It's not the point of his passage is not, hey, be more humble, be more mournful, um, hunger and thirst for righteousness more. That's not the point of the passage. However, I think what we do then is we focus um, on, like, make it kind of a generic statement. Um 
because it's not like a specific law, we make it kind of a generic, all-encompassing statement that he's that he's just that you could summarize the Beatitudes with, "Hey, everybody's included in the kingdom. Everyone's invited." Kind of like what we talked about the other day with kingdom values. I think that's a way of oversimplifying the Beatitudes to saying like, just that he's just saying, "Hey, he's talking to a bunch of poor people. He's talking to a bunch of people who feel like." they've been shortchanged or outcasts or haven't been let in. And he's just wanting to, he's basically just letting them know, Hey, you all are in the kingdom too. And I'm not there either. And, um, and so that's what made it difficult was the, that tension. By the way, I think it's a similar tension to when Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five, the fruit of the spirit is not an exhaustive list of all the qualities that a Christian should be growing in or that that should be flowing out of a Christian. Um, But those specific qualities actually do matter, though. So you wouldn't say that, oh, well, you don't have to be hospitable because that's not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Like, you know, welcoming, being welcoming is not one of the fruit of the Spirit, so therefore you don't need to be that if you're a Christian. Well, that's obviously nonsense. But it would also be equally nonsensical to say, well, it's that's not a list of qualities we're supposed to achieve, so don't worry about if you're patient or not. And don't worry about if you have joy or not. Like, they, they mean something. It's not exhaustive, but those specific qualities are things that when Paul's thinking, hey, the fruit of the Spirit, like if the Spirit is at work in you, these are the things you're going to start noticing in a person's life. Like, this should mark... These things should mark the life of um, a Christian. And I think similarly, in the Beatitudes, it's not an exhaustive list, and it's not a list of things. And just like, again, with the fruit of the Spirit, I'm not say, no one would say, well, if you want to be a better Christian, then just be more patient. That's not the point. The point is those who are indwelled by the Spirit will start to bear this fruit, and patience is one of, the, one of, the, one of those like in this fruit of the Spirit. I think in the same way, these are not the beatitudes are not a list of qualities that you're supposed to just pursue and certainly not apart from Christ it's not just like hey it's better to be humble or it's better to be meek or it's better um to mourn uh but at the same time it is a statement i think of what how the kingdom functions and and how how people who are in the kingdom like uh, there is a state of being that that people those people are specifically included, but not only included, but they're somehow blessed um, in the kingdom. They're blessed with the kingdom, and they're blessed in the kingdom. And and so I think there's something I think there's something there too. So there's a tension there that even you and I have. Like you and I in that hour long conversation we had before this podcast, we were disagreeing on some things. Yeah, there's a lot of nuance to this. You know, it can sound like you're saying the same thing and then you realize, well, I think a little different angle. And I think the re- it's interesting, Jay, I was thinking about the the wrestling that we're all called to do with Jesus's teachings and that part of the blessing is, and we've been talking about this on Sundays, the wrestling with what are you saying, God, here is part of the blessing of getting yes. in the word. Mm-hmm. And so I think what what you and I did for like an hour and then what you did as you prepped this sermon even is part of the blessing of these words are not, um, they are not simple. Um, they are not easily understood on first glance. And I think there's a lot, 
part of it because he's talking about realities that are other than our normal experience can be. Um, so like who's really well off, who is really blessed and the way that we experience that in our everyday lives for, in, in the world is very different than the way Jesus conceives of it. And so it can be hard to frame it. And, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still, you sound a little more like, um, you're under promising here, uh, about what the sermon and how we benefited from it. And then I think what we will get from the sermon on the mountain in general, I, I think all of the wrestling and the, well, this is hard is part of what God is doing in it. It's different I, than yeah. the way Acts felt, you know? For sure, yeah. And I probably, I wish I would have done a little bit more of an intro of setting the stage for what was going on. And I think I just, I was so concerned about time, and rightly so, but I was also concerned about, um, I, I didn't want to get, I, I probably should have done that and should have even contrasted it with Acts, you know, because when we went through Acts, like that's a narrative book where we're just watching the story unfold and then drawing observations from it and and promises from it and watching God work. We're learning by watching how the church is functioning, how God works, how his people work, what is what is considered faithful, what is not. Um, it's It was helpful because you can often find those stories relatable. Um, but here we have just a straight teaching of Jesus. And, and I think often it's his, it's, it's funny when people say, well, I just wish, why doesn't God just tell me what he wants me to do? I think what we see in scripture is that the times where Jesus speaks directly, those are the most confusing times, right? Like when we see him heal somebody, when we see him um, interact with somebody, that like often makes sense. Like we see it and you're like, oh, okay, wow. But when he teaches in parables or just tells you what the kingdom of God is like, like that's the, that's the more challenging things. And the Sermon on the Mount is full of that. Like when he speaks, then we're going, holy cow, I'm, th- this is, this could be kind of overwhelming. And I, so I, I agree with you that the wrestling with it is a big part of it. And, um, and what I so like my aim was in that spirit was to try to give, um, try to give a lens through which to read it because it's. I mean, there are many people who believe that, uh, it's that we should be spending a significant amount of time in the Sermon on the Mount, like in Scripture, they're just reading it always. I mean, I've I've had I've known pastors and scholars who have said I. I think if you devoted your entire life to just reading the Sermon on the Mount, you would like that would be that would that would be enough time well spent to be time well spent. Like if you're gonna, um, and I I I think that makes a lot of sense. And so I want to give I just want to give a I wanted to give a lens to that. Um, and so that's where the two big points, which um, I I asked somebody who normally pays really close attention and is helpful if they could summarize, because I, I felt like I, I really went after two main points. I just tried to simplify it to that because of all the nuance, because I knew I could get lost in the weeds theologically and um, they were not able to, uh, they <laughs> it did not go well. And I thought, oh no. And so, so the two big points were, number one, it is 
it is Jesus announcing the kingdom. He's been proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and now he's saying this is he's going to go into this discourse of I think what of, of announcing the kingdom of how the kingdom is this upside down kingdom, how it is subversive, it is how it is it is being realized, and the promise that it is being realized. So it's it is a confrontation of of the way the world has viewed things. Up until this point, people saw the rich, the powerful, the influential as those who were blessed. They were the ones that had God's special favor. And Jesus flips that upside down and he's he's speaking to a crowd that is not in that category. Now there probably were some people in that crowd who fit in that category. But he could have and he does later with the law when he contrasts with the law, like you've heard it said this, but I say this. Well, there's a certain tenor to that here in the Beatitudes. He, he it could have made sense for him to say, well, you've heard it said that that the rich are blessed, but I say, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. I think there is a there's a. I, I mean, I'm not projecting that onto there, but that would give some context of part of what he's saying it's it's a confrontation of saying the world's ways are not the kingdom's ways and there's a different economy in the kingdom there's a different way of viewing things in the kingdom and who has god's favor is different than than the way the world would view it so that was that was the one the one big point was that confrontation so i'm curious um you know, well, and, and I'll say the other big point was that it was then a comfort to those people who are in that state because there, there's an a reward, an offering, a a thing like that. If you that you're blessed for being in that state, which this is where it gets very tricky in the nuance. Um, he's not saying that that being poor in spirit, for example, in and of itself is good. Like just being, just being humble in spirit is not in and of itself it's good it's only good if you're in the kingdom because of what it produces in the kingdom because in the kingdom poverty of spirit produces ultimately ends up with um redemption and renewal and sanctification right like if you if you see yourself as poor in spirit as being spiritually needy you're you're blessed in the kingdom because that need will be um fulfilled in Christ like you, you will actually, you'll receive that. But if, whereas if you don't, if you're not spiritually needy, if you're spiritually like fine on your own, well, then you've received your reward. You're good. But what you're good with is what you have here temporarily because you don't get Christ. And if you don't get Christ, then you're not better off. Um, same way with those uh, who who mourn, that that to be broken over, like to grieve to experience grief in the kingdom, to experience grief in worldly terms, to just be sad, is not a is not a blessed state at all. Nobody would choose that. But if you understand how the kingdom is coming and how the kingdom um, bears fruit and how it grows, then you'd understand that the state of mourning that if you are in the kingdom, then you are comforted by God. Like you, you will be comforted. You are comforted here and. In the future, and anyone who has gone through grief and has been comforted by Jesus and has felt his presence near would understand that's what it means to be blessed in that. Like they will feel 
blessed that they got to experience that comfort. They would have never chosen the the state that got them to where that is. But like I, I I've used this so many times, but it's that that quote from my mom that will be inscribed in my brain, my heart forever. When she said, "I would have never chosen this cancer, but I wouldn't trade it because of what I've received." That's the kind of blessing that I think is is there, and I think he's he's announcing it. So he's not just saying he's both saying, and and I then I I'm I'm setting the stage here for Jeff to um, refute everything I'm saying. So hang in there, podcast listener. You got you're, this is going to be a fun one, hopefully. Um, Thanks for the warning. Yeah, yeah, I'm warning you. So you better like come up with some good way to to uh, fight against me. But I think it's both a a this confrontation of the world. So he's not just saying he's he is in part saying, hey, everyone, the people that have been seen as the least of these are not. They are they are actually blessed. They are in the kingdom. The kingdom is available also to them. But he's also saying and your state that you're in that is um, so difficult, you're actually blessed because through that, this great reward, this great thing is coming for you. And so you're actually, you're blessed for having gone through that. I don't see any other way of reading that because when he says, blessed are you who, when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil about you, like there's just no way to read that and to say, well, how are you blessed? Tell me, come again. Like you could say, Hey, don't worry. Don't let it get you down when people do all these things because you're going to be in the kingdom. That would make sense. Then you'd say, okay, so yeah, just put up with it. But he said, no, you're blessed. Are you because this inverse thing is going to happen because this greater thing is going to happen. That's going to be better than if you had never gone through that persecution or been reviled. There you go. So now you want me to... To rebut everything. What's your password? <laughs> I'm not going to rebut everything because I agree with like just about everything in there. Okay. Well. I'm trying to remember what I didn't agree with. Oh, man. What didn't I, well, what didn't I agree with? This is what the whole with? hour conversation was, Jeff. So when I read these, I'll just I'll tell yeah, you what I read. There you go. That might Do be it. easier for me. Then, then <laughs> I'll find what I If I, I had been taking notes, <laughs> maybe uh, I would be able to. But you unpacked a lot there. I did. So, I'm sorry. So part of when I read that, I feel like this is Jesus saying, here is who's really well off. And in all the ways that we normally conceive of when a person is well off and in a good situation in life, blessed. So that word blessed is important. Right. Some translations, by the way, if you just, an experiment for everyone listening could be to look at a few different English translations. Some say happy. And I yeah. don't like that. No. And everyone uh, reliable that I've read scholarly also doesn't like that. Mm-mm. It's too thin. It's not the kind of um, deep blessing that we're talking about. But so ultimately, it's something like the person who is really well off. Okay. And it has God's favor. There's an element of that of like this person has God's favor. Yes. there Because well, they would have viewed if you were rich, God blessed you, which means that you have the favor of God. Like God is looking upon you with favor. Yeah, so the reason that you have the money is because he gave it to you, and then the poor person, the reason they don't is they must have done something wrong or their parent did something wrong, so now they're receiving curse from God. Right. Um, so they don't have it. So when I read it, I see um, Jesus saying, all these things that you have come to know um, of who is really well off are different in my kingdom. 
And, and he gives us a list of those. And I, I do agree. I don't think this is necessarily exhaustive. I have no idea what else I'd add to it specifically. I don't want to make, give Jesus right. words. No. Hey, Jesus, but I don't why didn't you mention this I feel like one? there's a sense in which these are the only people or the only qualities that you would say. But to me, like, so if you take the, um, the poor in spirit one, so blessed are the poor in spirit. And if you take that assumption that these would have been people that normally would have been thought of as not in, they would have been not well off um, and unblessed, maybe. I don't know if, that, if you want to say it that way, but just not blessed. Um, Jesus saying, no, they are blessed. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the next one, too. Even those who are mourning, and if you think about mourning as something that doesn't just go away, because a lot of mourning that we go through in life right. is something that's just with us, either for something that happened or whatever. Um, even the person who is in that state of this deep mourning that, that's consuming them, they are blessed for they shall be comforted. And that comfort is is in the kingdom as they experience God and, and that's now and it's later. So I like that you mentioned that on Sunday too. And I think you said now and not yet yeah, on Sunday. Already not yet. Yeah, already and not yet. And so it's happening now. There is comfort and then there will ultimately be. The mourning will, will stop actually. It will. Um, and they can trust that. So I think that that's what he's, he's doing. He's, he's outlining the people that you wouldn't think are in are in. And that includes the people he's speaking to. Now, we don't know. We don't have their reactions, like, play by play. But in my mind, it's like I imagine it, at least. And this is dangerous because it's not written. This is happening in my head. But mm-hmm. we all do this. I'm imagining people hearing this, this declaration of this good news, you're in, who would think to themselves, that's like too good to be true that I'm in. That I could be in my condition, in my state, the way I've experienced life up until this point, until you just said this, Jesus, has been I am not. I am not in a state of blessedness at all. That is not my state. And now you're saying me, even me, in this state can be in a state of being blessed. For why? Because mine is the kingdom. And before I thought the whole reason I was in this state was that it didn't have the kingdom because how could I possibly have the kingdom and be this poor or be this sad mm-hmm. or be this, you know, persecuted? Wouldn't that mean God isn't with us? Because shouldn't God just protect us from persecution? Shouldn't he just fight all of our enemies and push them back? And so that's what I think is happening. Which I understand. I I think where the 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 challenge in this is, um, and again, you, like you said, you don't want to put words into Jesus's mouth and you no. don't want to, you don't want to draw conclusions based on like, well, why didn't he say it this way or this way? Like you want to be careful with all of these things. Um, but there, but there also is an intentionality to the words that are chosen. We believe that scripture is inspired and, um, that God protects his word and it's authoritative and intentional. And, like I think there there are some scholars who have this interpretation of it that it's like, well, he's just letting the poor in spirit know that they are also included. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say you you are also blessed because you also inherit the kingdom. He's he's speaking to people who have been outcasts and he's saying, No, no, the world says that you don't have God's favor, but you actually do you who are in this state, you are blessed. You have God's favor because you are inheriting the kingdom. And he says, and then, 
and then there are other things like um, take the meek, for example. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we talk about flipping upside down. No one then or since, like some of these things, it's hard it, It's hard culturally to know what, what was going on, but some of these things are just universal. So no one today thinks that the meek would inherit the earth. Like if you, if you, um, like, like if you imagine to, in a city. Right. So the meek, is it the meekest one who owns the most property and the, right. it makes the most money? No, not really. Is it the meekest politician who wins the election? No. Is it the is it the meekest military that you know wins the battle? So Jesus is saying like this is this is the way the kingdom is coming. Now remember, you know he's going to talk about the kingdom as a mustard seed, as leaven. Like there is a subversive nature. It's not just the economy of the kingdom, but it's also how the kingdom is coming to earth. Like he's announcing the kingdom, and he's saying that this is. Um, you know these are these are kingdom people they they are blessed in this state because they're they're going to receive um these these rewards they're going to receive the kingdom well the the meek will inherit the earth like the the that is that is not only countercultural but it's flipped upside down and it would have been something that um i i don't think he's saying the meek are also going to inherit the earth along with the non meek I yeah, think he's I saying that. that the kingdom is coming like this. And that um and and I think one way, one helpful way of thinking about that is well, could you imagine someone who isn't meek actually trusting in Jesus? Like and actually believing him and actually, you know, or someone who's not like the the poverty of spirit, or you know, some people that's translated as like spiritually needy or contrite to be contrite or repentant or or just be in need to see yourself as spiritually poor, to be lacking spiritually. Well, I've never known anyone who doesn't feel that they're lacking spiritually who comes to Christ. Like anybody who sees themselves as spiritually strong or spiritually rich wouldn't have any need for Jesus, which I think is, you know, when he talks about it's he came for the sick, not the well. It's... It's not like we wouldn't say, oh, yeah, yeah, because the well, we're totally fine. Everybody's interpretation of that passage is, no, no, it's you could also interpret it as those who think that they're well aren't going to receive what I'm offering because they don't see themselves as sick. And and so I would say the same thing with, with these is that if if you, like he's saying, look, if you are in a situation where you feel like you are spiritually needy and that you're not good enough, well, then you're blessed. You're like, you're in a better situation because you know your need and you'll receive the good news because you you will inherit the kingdom because you know you know you need that. But to the person who doesn't see that, who doesn't feel that lack, then they don't need anything. And so they won't receive the kingdom. Right? Yeah, it's hard to imagine <laughs> a scenario in which that's happening. You know, and I think especially if you're talking about... Um, poor in spirit as in realizing like I'm a sinner. I think, I think there's also a way of conceiving of it. And, and we experience, I mean, I experience this in church here where a person will like very self deprecatingly say, why don't you pray? I'm not good sure. at praying. Like, yeah. and I think that's a form of what Jesus had in mind. It, it's, it's like a, 
that's a more yeah. trivial example of it, but it's like a spiritually destitute. Like I feel so far from God. I'm not in, there's no way I could be in because of here, here's why. And you start listing the things, those people are going to be blessed. And if you take the inverse of that, like you said, the person who thinks I've got it together, I know how to do this. I'm good at this game. It is. It's very difficult to imagine that person being able to say, yeah, but for the kingdom is theirs as well. Right. Because it's all about them, right? It's all about their goodness at that point and, and not about God. Right, which that right there, I think, Jeff, is, is a key point to this because the fear that people have with turning this into some kind of a new religious law or like these are just qualities is is trying to get the kingdom apart from Christ. It's still a self-focused, self-improvement thing. But I, I, I'm not as concerned about that because that's the that's the way with everything. I mean, that's the way with literally every every fruit of the spirit or anything. There's a way to pursue Galatians five in a way that is dishonoring to God. Like just well, the answer like if you just said read Galatians five and you say see. What God really cares about is that you're just more loving and more patient. That's that's what God really cares about. And so as long as a person's loving and patient, like that's that's really what Christianity is about. Well, yeah, you can do that with literally anything. But Paul is saying that no, the qualification of that is this is this is fruit that is born of the spirit. And so if a person is exhibiting these things, that's evidence that the Spirit is in them. If they're not exhibiting these things, then that is evidence that the Spirit is not in them, if they're not growing in these things. And I think similarly with the kingdom is Jesus is speaking. He's not telling everyone. So I think we also would have to be really clear and understanding that he's not telling everybody like, hey, if you're sad, well, then don't worry. You're going to be comforted and you're going to get the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. Well, that's not true. Like, there are lots of there are lots of people who are sad who don't that Jesus is not their Lord and He is not they're not a part of the kingdom. So, so what's the difference there? Let's flesh that out. So, it's not just sadness. What is the what is the missing link? Well, and that's that's what I think is like those who see. So when He says like, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God," and when later in the Sermon on the Mount He's going to talk about seeking first the kingdom of God. And then, you know, even later in Matthew, he's going to have these parables of like the treasure hidden in a field and, and, and all these different things that it's, and in later in the Sermon on the Mount, that the eye is the lamp of the body. Like that if the, if, if the eyes see, like if you see the kingdom, then, then these things are going to be true about you. If you see, like if you, um, if you belong to God, and if you are in his kingdom, you are going to mourn. How in the world could you possibly um, go through life seeing every person as being created in the image of God and not grieve at the suffering in the world? How could you possibly um, love people the way Scripture calls you to love them and not have mourning, like not have deep grief over time? You're... People die. People get sick. Hard things happen to them. If you are connected with other people, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you will mourn. And 
the only way to avoid that is how the world tries to avoid it and say like, no, no, no mourning people are, are weak. Or imp- if you empathize with people, then you're, you're, you're weak. Um, you're, you're just going to hurt yourself. You can't take those things on yourself. Well, like we're called to bear one another's burdens. Well, the only reason you would do any of those things is if you believe Jesus, mm-hmm. that his kingdom has come. Yes. And that his kingdom is infinitely more valuable. And again, he says this all the time with other in other areas, other times. I, I quoted the passage where the disciples say, Hey, we've given up everything. Like, what do we what do we get in heaven? Jesus doesn't say, Ah, don't don't worry about what you're gonna get. Like, I'm gonna be there, don't worry about it. He says, I tell you the truth. Like basically, you've given up nothing. Nothing you've given up that you're not gonna be repaid ten times, a hundred times in this age and the age to come. So there is like this this connection of the the connection you ask like okay what's the difference the difference is like do you see Christ do you see him as the messiah do you see him as the king do you see his kingdom as a treasure in a field and that is the most valuable thing in the world if you do then you're blessed when you mourn because your mourning is going to be over like over the brokenness of the world and knowing that you're going to be comforted because what you want to see happen is that kingdom come fully on earth and that's going to happen. And if you are poor in spirit in the kingdom, if your desires for the kingdom, like you're you're blessed because you're going to receive the kingdom and that's what you that's what you want because you see it as like you say like oh let this be true. Um and and he's saying if that's if that's your posture, I think he's saying like you're you're actually you have God's favor you're blessed in in this because of what you're going to receive out of it. And that's... <laughs> I'm thinking just, about what you're saying. I know. I so know. I would say, like, I would add to it, like, maybe this is more general, but I would say that the big difference between just mourning being blessing in general and what Jesus is saying is that those people are blessed in his, like, in his beatitudes here. That mourner is blessed because they're in the kingdom because they have the kingdom. And that's the difference between someone just mourning in general and kind of seeking that as this higher state of being. Like you could take Jesus's teaching and do that and say, hey, he says one key to life is to be mourning. So we should pursue mourning. But if you do that and you don't belong in the kingdom, you're not part of what he's doing in the world and in his power and might and his spirit in you, there is no blessing in mourning then. Then you just have a miserable life. And that's what I would say, like, the difference is between those two. The same with poor in spirit. You could be poor in spirit in some way. And this is actually a weakness, I think, of some of our English translations. I think you could be poor in spirit and and not be in. And sometimes the way our right. English translations of the Bible say it, it's hard to imagine a person being the way they describe, confessing their sins and, you know, trusting in Jesus for salvation and not being in. So that condition, to me, it, there are people in the world who are poor in spirit who are not, theirs isn't the kingdom. And that's the difference, though. Like, the ones who theirs is the kingdom, they have the kingdom, and then their their poverty is not poverty because they have the kingdom. I, so I'm, like, 85% of the, the way there with that. But Well, that's a relief. <laughs> but, the, but the part that I think is 
there's something about what Jesus is saying, and I think this will flesh out more in the, the Sermon on the Mount, certainly in, in chapter 6, when we get to chapter 6. But there is something where he, he's saying, like, you're better off than, than if you hadn't been in the state. And that's what I think is so... Like, oh, that, like adding to it. Yeah, like I, mean? I yeah. think... I think and that's what I think is so important. The reason why I think it's so important to dive into that is because that's what I think gives us so much encouragement in the moment. So there's not, in Scripture, there's not a view that if you're in a difficult state, for example, if people are persecuting you, that it it's not just, well, don't worry about it. God will eventually take care of it, and it'll be over soon. There's a state of like, no, you're actually blessed. Like you are in a better situation if you are persecuted for righteousness sake than if you were not persecuted at all. And I think that's what makes people uncomfortable that there's somehow there's an inverse of, of that. Like, so for example, those who mourn will be comforted. I mentioned this, but I believe that in that is the statement that you're better off having mourned and been comforted by God than if you had never mourned at all. I, I think it's an extra comfort. It's not saying, well, um, pursue mourning. It's saying, if you, if you think, imagine a person there who is listening to the teachings of Jesus because they are desperate, because they just buried their child, and they are grieving, and they are just destroyed with grief. Jesus, I don't think, is just saying to them, hey, you're going to get into the kingdom. You're you're blessed because you have the kingdom, just like the person who hasn't mourned. I think that you could say that's part of it. That's not an untrue statement. But I think he's also saying you're blessed because you are going to be comforted, and you will know what the comfort of God is in a way that is different than, than a person who hasn't grieved and hasn't mourned. Um, when he says, "You blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, for they will be filled. Well, those who aren't hungry, if you're not hungry, you don't really know what it's like to be filled. You're just kind of always in this state. Like the person who has been really hungry or really thirsty, um, the state of being filled is a more joyful state. It is they know more about what that means and the beauty of that. They see more of the beauty of that. And again, like I mentioned before, people who have gone through these things, um, you know, if you like, even when he says, "You blessed are you when people when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That is not a statement of just, hey, it's okay if people say bad things about you because you're also you you'll you'll be in the kingdom someday. So it it's gonna be fine. It's like, no, you're actually it's actually God's favor that you're going through that because of what it's going to produce. Your reward is great in heaven. Now, do I fully understand what that means? No, but I do think, I think why it's important is because in our culture, we do a little bit think in terms of, well, we, we definitely communicate things that, that God blesses the wealthy, like 
people do it all the time. Oh, God's really blessed me in this. God's blessed me with these things or whatever. And and I'm not saying that those aren't God's blessing, but we tend to think of that. Like I've never had anybody say, wow, God, God really blessed me. I declared bankruptcy this week. And yet. Me either. Right. And yet you and I both know people who have gone through financial ruin who through that learned what it means that God is the provider of all things. And they now trust God for provision in a way that people who have always been blessed financially do not. Yeah. I mean, that's a good example. They receive something. Yeah. Randy Elkhorn, author, he wrote a lot on wealth Mm. and money. And he actually highlighted that as a possibility that, that this inversion is so significant that, you know, our gut reaction is, like we get an extra check suddenly we didn't realize, you know, mm-hmm. from work. Well, that's great. It is a blessing. But one thing he said is, um, given Jesus's teachings, it actually might not be. It might be the opposite of that. It actually might be a curse and like not something that brings life to you like right. you think it will. And that's the problem, right? Like the the things that we think, if I just had this, and it's usually more of this, you know? So if I right. win one more game and I get one a bit more praise or if I get whatever, then I'll be okay. We don't think it out or say it that explicitly, but we feel those things. And Jesus is so trying to get us to see over and over again, and we'll see it as we go through this sermon. He is what we need. He is, and we're made for him and his kingdom. And I, I love how you how you like flesh that out, Jay, because I think that's true. I don't know which C.S. Lewis book it's in, but he does go into that idea as well, that all of the pain and all the grief when undone, our joy is even greater because yeah. of that, because it, we went through it than, right. than if it hadn't happened then at if all. It hadn't, right. And so the question is, do you believe that? Yep. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here, because if you do believe it, then I, and I used, and all analogies fall short, but I used the gym analogy, you know, that if you believe, nobody goes to the gym and puts them through, puts themselves through that if they don't think there's going to be a reward on the other side of it. Like nobody, nobody does that to themselves unless they're just weird. I mean, that's just, that would be dysfunctional. You do that. Like nobody chooses to eat, you know, a salad with no dressing over a cheeseburger. Unless you, unless you believe that it, that's better. Like if you believe like, you, so I think, that idea of um, the, it providing that extra encouragement of knowing that it's actually Jesus, I think, is saying, not you thought that this state of being disqualified you or meant you weren't in the kingdom. But I say to you, it not only does it not mean that, but you actually have God's blessing on you. And that would have been so, it, it would be one thing to just say, no, the leper is going to also be in the kingdom. But it's another thing to say, the kingdom is so upside down that you're going to end up feeling like that leper was blessed because he had the opportunity to have leprosy and be healed by Jesus. I mean, just imagine the person who, the, the paralytic man who is healed by Jesus, what is his what is his faith compared to the person who's just observing from the back and is questioning like, well, was that guy really paralyzed? Was that like, did I see him walking in somewhere? Was that just a scam? And 
I think like if we don't understand that, then um, then we can just get caught in this idea that like, well, no, no, you you're not you're not um, you're not despised by God. Okay, well that's half true. That's true, but you are you also are are being blessed. You're actually blessed in the statement if you believe in the kingdom. But again, to your point, if you don't believe in the kingdom, if you don't believe in Jesus as king, then you don't receive those rewards, which means you're not blessed. Like if you if you are racked with mourning and grief your entire life and your whole life has been filled with suffering and you don't know Christ, then you are not blessed. That is the most miserable state that I could possibly imagine. To live a hard life without Christ is the worst. The, the wealthy who live without Christ, that's where Jesus would say, well, you've received your reward. Like basically, that's the whole eat, drink, you know, for tomorrow we die. Like the, the, you've given yourself over. Now, you, eternally, that is not, <laughs> that's not going to last. Like you're, um, that is way less than, um, but, but they've received the reward. The religious elite, when they pray to be seen by um, people so that people would look at them as holy, they've received their reward. They don't see the kingdom. And so they pursue those things. And Jesus says, if you've been reviled, if you've been seen as less than, you are blessed in the kingdom, both here and in the future. So you can receive that right now in part, and in the future for all eternity, you will be rewarded in that. But if you, um, so that's why it's not a list of things to just chase after, because like you're saying, to be to be poor in spirit apart from Christ is not a blessed state. But to see the kingdom and believe in kingdom fruit and kingdom treasure, to be poor in spirit in the kingdom, you are blessed because you you inherit it. Because what do you, you through repentance and redemption in Christ, you are reconciled to God and you're you're an inheritant. You in, you inherit the whole kingdom. And it's, it's through that. But if you are rich in spirit, if you think that you are really well off, everyone thinks you're super religious and you have justified everything in your life and you have determined in your own mind that you're a good person, then you have no need for Jesus and you will not inherit the kingdom. I think there's that, that tension in there. So these are both, I guess maybe one way to say it to, cause I know, um, we, we can't devote three hours to a podcast here. Um, especially with our one hour preamble in our conversation. This is why Jeff's not saying anything. Cause he's just like, I need this to be done. Cause I, <laughs> but I think one way of saying it is these are not, no, they are not just uh, universal truths or just characteristics that we should pursue and certainly not pursue apart from Christ, but they are things that are valued in the kingdom because they exhibit a trust in Christ. So later, and we'll do this later in the sermon, um, when he talks about money, but just giving money to be, um, like to be generous or to be like, there's lots of people in the world who give money and, um, the word is escaping me, um, just to be like, philanthropy. there you go. Philanthropists, um, that in and of itself is, is not um that doesn't get you anything in the kingdom like that just saying like no 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 i'm a generous person i'm a philanthropist i like i give or whatever that's that doesn't get you anything in the kingdom but giving away your money 
because you believe what Jesus says about those who give their money, that you're investing, you're storing up treasures in heaven, and because you believe him in the kingdom and you believe Christ, that is how treasures are built in heaven. And that is what's valuable. So to just have the appearance of humility or just to try to be more humble or try to be more meek, so you just let other people go in front of you in the buffet line and you let other people go in front of you at the four-way stop or you do whatever, like just to, in that way, that in and of itself gains nothing. That's not a blessed state necessarily. It's just, you know, there, if you do get any blessing from it, you've received your reward. It is limited to whatever happens in that moment that the person waved at you at the four-way stop and you feel good about that. But if you believe that you are you're being meek um, because of the king, because the kingdom comes through meekness, like through Jesus came through like as meek and as a baby, and that through that you actually inherit the earth because you believe that um, what Jesus has told you about this, well, then you're blessed. Actually, you're, you're blessed. So yeah. we should value that and as opposed to saying, well, it doesn't matter if you're meek or not. Like, well, no, it, it does because it says something about what you believe. Or to say it doesn't matter if you're generous or not. Yes, it says something about what you believe. Like why you're generous says something about what you believe. Yeah, and and ultimately it's saying, I believe God's in charge. You know, like right. people, meekness the way Jesus is describing comes from someone who really does trust that God is at hand and he is in control and not me to exalt myself or to make my will come on earth as it is in heaven. You know what, Jay? I think... It's really good we didn't record the first hour. I think this hour was better, in my opinion. Well, you have to say that now. I, well, I, I but let, I actually think it. Let me just let me just close with with this for people. So this is the most practical thing I'll say the whole time. The reason why I think this is so important is because if you're sitting there and you're feeling poor in spirit, or you're mourning, or you are being reviled, or you're in any of these states that he talks about, I want you. I want you to know and to hear that not only is is God saying like well don't worry that is not it's not because I'm angry at you that you also will inherit the kingdom but that you're blessed in that and what would it look like in our lives to not see those states as something to avoid or just to simply endure but we saw them as vessels for blessing and that we believed what Jesus said in this and said no no okay I'm mourning right now I hate this grief but I know, but I'm actually anticipating what God is doing through this, and I'm going to I'm going to realize the kingdom more fully through this, and that's why I'm actually blessed. It's actually God's blessing on me in this moment that He is now going to be able to comfort me in in my grief, or I'm going to be a you know um, if I'm being reviled or anything like that, because the question of well does God is God mad at me? immediately goes then to like, well, then why is this happening? If he's not mad at me, then why is this happening to me? Well, if God is good and we believe that all things that come through him are good, or we believe like Genesis 50, 20, that, that, um, the evil one means this for evil, like the enemy means it for evil, but God means it for good, that there has to be something real to that, that he is saying, no, there, there is a blessing that comes through this that I, I hope then we would understand a little better about why Scripture says that we should count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, that we can give thanks in all circumstances, that we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us, that we would not be surprised at the persecutions that we're facing, although something strange were happening to us. 
we'd start to settle in and so much of the stress that we have on a daily basis, I think is attached to this, um, this faulty understanding that God blesses by making things go well for us rather than what Jesus is saying, the kingdom is upside down. And if what you really value is the kingdom and the king, then you'll see that you're blessed even um, in these in these difficult circumstances. So, there you go. I think that was good. I think that's a good place. <laughs> I think we're all set now for the next <laughs> passage on Sunday. Right, which you get to deal with. Yeah, so I'm you, excited. You can take a crack. Uh-huh. You swing. See if you can at least make some contact. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> oh, come swing on. So. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Hopefully this has been helpful and not just more confusing. Is it, if it has been more confusing, hang in there with us. Sermon on the Mount. Um, but let us know if there's specific things that come up. In, in all sermons, we want this, but especially in this series, there's going to be things that are going to be hard and challenging and things that are mysteries to us. Um, but we want to walk this road together. So let us know if you have questions or pushback or anything that we can answer in the podcast. That would be super helpful. So thank you for listening. Until next time, grace and peace.